Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. We've been in this short micro series, shortest series we've ever done, a two-week series. Last week we started, it's called Go, Go Into All the World. And Rachel opened up the series so brilliantly last Sunday with the message titled, If They Only Knew. And um, yeah, it was fantastic. I listened to it yesterday. Now, I'm going to give you the top two reasons, top two reasons why people... Someone's watching church online in the room. <laughs> Just can't get enough, can you? Like... Now everyone knows that church is two minutes behind. There we go. <laughs> top two reasons people don't come to church. And top two reasons people don't come to faith. The top two reasons people come to church. Number one, the number one reason people don't come to church is this. You ready? They've been. What's the number one reason you don't go back to a restaurant? Because you've been. You had a really shoddy experience and you thought, I am never going to go back there. The top reason that people have never come to faith in Jesus is this. They've never been invited. They've never been invited. Top reason people don't come to church is they've been. The second reason is this. They've never been invited. Who loves getting an invitation? Well, to the right thing. You know, no one likes getting invited to a speed awareness training course, do they? It's never happened to me, thankfully. But I know people in the room, they've been through that and they continue to go through it. And... You guys, you got to do that during lockdown. You got it easy, didn't you? Some of you going, yeah, that was me. We invited some, we invited some girls at Bible school on, on an invitation once. There was five good Christian lads and we lived in Australia. And just a few doors down were five female single Bible college students, including my wife, Chantelle. And we would regularly invite ourselves over for prayer meetings, <laughs> study time, all those things. Yeah, that's what we call it. And it was Valentine's, and so we thought we'd send them an invitation. We didn't have any money. Well, as I say, we didn't have much money. We didn't have any money. Um, but we said to the girls, dress up. We're going to take you. We're inviting you on a special hot date. We lived about 35, 40 minutes from Sydney Harbour, um, across the bridge, Darling Harbour, you know, Opera House, all those fun things. So um, they all came out in their beautiful red dresses, and they were flowing. It looked stained. But what we did is we blindfolded them because we didn't want them to know what we were up to. Because remember, we had limited budgets. We didn't have money to go to Darling Harbour. So what we did for 35, 40 minutes is we put them in the back of my Ford Falcon, 23 years old at the time. It's true. Honestly, it was a 7C. It was a beauty. Put them in, and we drove around the neighbourhood for 35 minutes. Well, they thought they were heading into town. But they weren't more than 500 metres from their own house. And we pulled up into what I like to call as the golden arches, which is McDonald's. And we brought them into the, into the arches, brought them into the, into the uh, 
into the restaurant, because that's what it is, it's a restaurant. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's just a burger, and sometimes it's a restaurant. This night it was a restaurant. And so they're all, but then you could see that they were picking up the smell. You know, McDonald's has that distinctive smell, doesn't it? You know you're there. It's like a chip shop. You, it's a chip shop. And so they walk in, and you can see the faces begin to, so we said, take your blindfolds off, and they're just staring at the menu. I looked at them, I said, you can have whatever you want. <laughs> whatever you want. This one's on us. You can, you can go big on it, but whatever you want. Anyway, that invitation did not work out. She was not impressed. I've made it up to her since, trust me. I think there's something special about an invitation. Why? Because an invitation, the right invitation, it makes you feel special. It makes you feel important. An invitation makes you feel accepted. One of the things I love about the right invitation is it breaks up your daily routine. So if you get invited out on a Saturday night, what you'd normally be doing, you kind of throw all those plans out the window for the invitation. You know the Bible is full of invitations. Matthew 11 says, Come to me, all you that are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus goes on, he says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus invited each one of his disciples personally to follow him. You know, most people are sitting in this room today because of a direct or an indirect invitation into God's love or into a church community or into to a conference. Um, that could look like an alpha course, a Christmas production, um, but you've been invited. In fact, let's just have a show of hands. If you are here today because somebody invited you, whether it was to an alpha course, a youth night, a camp, a church service, just lift it up nice and high so we can see it. Okay, that's pretty cool. Okay? Now, I'll, I'm going to show you later on how maybe there's indirect, indirect um, invitations involved in this as well. In less than three weeks, Soul Church, two weeks on Saturday, Soul Church will be blessing our city with the wonder. Who's excited for the wonder? As of yesterday, 6,350 seats have already gone. Okay, so if you haven't booked, I suggest you get online. We released a few more seats last night. I think we're releasing up to 10,000, but there's no doubt about it, they will, they will go. And the team have been working so hard, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, and we're going to present... We're going to present our city, not just with a Christmas spectacular. We are going to present our city, the true wonder of Christmas, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 80% of all first-time church visitors come as a result of a, as a personal invitation. One of the moments when I speak to people after services, I say, hey, how did you find out about Soul Church? And maybe they'll say a billboard or they'll say they, they saw something online. But nine times out of ten, someone said, I was invited. I was invited. In fact, I've never met anyone who was argued into becoming a follower of Jesus. But I've met countless thousands of people who've responded to an invitation. It was in 1968, my mum, she was invited to... A Billy Graham crusade in Manchester by close friends Trevor and Sue. This would be the first invitation she'd ever accepted to become a follower of Christ. And one invitation in that moment, that's Main Road Stadium, Manchester, one invitation would change the trajectory of her life, her children's life, her grandchildren's life, and this room forever. Because this church, I wouldn't be leading this church if it wasn't for someone inviting my mom to a Billy Graham crusade 60 years ago. 
You see, in the church, we have chairs. We have chairs, we have full chairs, we have empty chairs. Every chair in this building is waiting for someone to sit in it. And it will remain empty until we invite someone. And this chair, as my mum found out at Main Road Football Club, this chair has the potential to change someone's life forever. What if the only thing stopping moving, God moving on someone's life was an invitation? What if the one thing in your office, in your workplace, in your university, or your school that was happening in someone's life, what if it was one invitation that could change the trajectory of their life forever, but they were waiting for an invitation? And this isn't just about an invitation to, to a Christmas show. This is an invitation to coming into the grace and the love of God. I want to talk just for a few moments on the power of invitation. The power of invitation. We're going to stand as we read the word. If you, can, we, can we stand together? I know it's yo-yo church, but... This is the parable of the Great Supper. If you're new to church, if this is the first time you say, what's a parable? Parables were just something Jesus used to tell stories of everyday life to illustrate something. Luke chapter 14 says, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you for me to be excused. So the the, the owner of the house, he says, we're going to have a party. We're going to have a supper. I want you to go as many of, of your friends and let's fill the room. But the first person came back and said, oh, I'd love to come, but I bought a piece of ground and I need to see it. Can, you be, can I be excused? Can I just say a quick life lesson here? Don't buy what you can't see. It's got nothing to do with the message. <laughs> then he goes on. He says, and another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Another excuse, got to go to work. Wait for the third excuse. Don't do this, men. I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Under the thumb. Anyway, quick life lesson here. Careful who you marry. They should release you, not hold you back. Verse 21, nothing to do with the sermon. The servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry, said to the servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. The servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and there still is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come, that my house might be filled. God bless the reading of your word today. Amen. You may be seated. This is a bit of an obscure story in the middle of the Bible. What's the meaning of this parable? I battled with this story for a while, but this is, this is kind of what I concluded from this story I want to share from this passage, is that the master of the house is not satisfied with a partially full party. He wants every place at the table filled. Have you ever been to a party and no one shows up? Okay, it's an awkward party. People have made excuses. People haven't shown up. So this story, this parable in the center of the Bible, it is a metaphor for eternity. 
God is not satisfied with a partially saved world or a partially filled church. He wants every place at the table filled. John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible says, For God so loved the world. God loves the whole world. God loves mankind. God loves every person. And so, just as the master opened up the party for everyone, God has opened up his kingdom for everyone. Our father is not satisfied, I'm sorry to say this, our father is not pleased or satisfied with empty chairs. If you sent out 50 invitations to your party and four people showed up, you would not be satisfied with the party. And more importantly, God is not satisfied with empty seats in eternity. I want to just share, I'm going to be pretty, pretty just full on today. Is that okay? I'm going to give you four thoughts about the power of invitation because I think this is going to help us as we gear up to the wonder and we gear up to this new season as we head into a new year. Number one is this. Invitation is preceded by investment. An invitation carries far more weight if you have relationship. I believe one of the reasons the party failed in this story is there was a lack of relationship. We read nothing about relationship in the story. It says they all with one accord, they all grouped together and began to make excuses. I'm all about Chantel's family grew up as street preachers and I'm not against street preachers but we've all been in city centers and seen Christians handing out flyers and shouting and preaching on the corner and inviting people to come to church and there's nothing wrong with that but I will say this there's no investment there's no investment so people are inviting people to come to something but there is no investment most of us are here today because investment preceded invitation you had a relationship and out of that relationship someone invited you in to this loving, caring environment. People have got to know that, they, uh, they, that, they, that we care about them before they can trust us. And the reason the wonder holds so much credibility this year is not just because we've got some incredible singers and Santas coming and the head elf is going to be here and all these things are going to happen. It's going to be incredible. That's not the reason. The reason is we fed our city 2.9 million meals over the last 19, 20 months. And so investment precedes invitation. Sir Francis of Assisi was credited with this famous quote, preach the gospel at all time and if necessary, use words. This is where we get to be Jesus in our, in our classroom at school. We get to be Jesus. We get to, to show people the love of Christ. Invest, invitation is preceded by investment. Number two, the invitation needs to be compelling. The master says, compel them to come that my house may be full. This is what we read, that the, the master's invitation was compelling, but the servants wasn't. All the servants says, they go out to try and fill the party, and this is what they say. This is, their, this is their, the way they sell the party. Come, for all things are now ready. Imagine if I walked up to you as a complete stranger and say, come, for now all things are ready. You'd be like, what are you Come where? What's ready? The pot noodles? I mean, what's ready? I mean, he's given us no detail to the party. 
And I don't blame the servants for not wanting to go. But the master was compelling. You know, we need to be compelling about what we believe. You've got to be compelling. I used to be a, it's hard to believe, but I used to be a double glazed window salesman. I was the guy who'd knock on your door at 8 o'clock on a Friday night, try to sell your windows. And you say to me, well, I've only had them six months. I say, well, they're due for a change. You know, I'd always have a... <laughs> Steve Morstan did it with me one week, true story. <laughs> he wasn't any good. <laughs> my first week as a, a window and a door salesman, my first week... I was working the same street as another guy who'd been doing it for a few months and at the end of the week he got 20 leads and I got zero. We, we were selling the same product in the same area and I remember I said, what's the trick? He says, you're just not compelling at all. He said, I wouldn't buy from you. Back in the day they just say it like that. I said, well teach me. He says, you've actually got to believe in what you're selling. You've got to love these windows. You've got to love these doors like they're your children. He's taught me he was, he was in love with his job. But I remember literally the next time I went out the next week, I was like, these windows will change your life forever. These will keep thieves out and burglars. They will keep the cold, the frost. I said, they're not just double glazed, they're triple glazed. I mean, and people, you know, who wouldn't turn this down? I remember my sales just went through the roof. Why? Because it went from just being, I have to, to I'm compelling. You know, in same in church... If we just go up somewhere, would you like to come to our Christmas show called The Wonder? Well, I wouldn't come. Or would you like to come to the greatest Christmas show on the planet? And this has the potential not just to change your Christmas, but to change your life. What do you mean? You just got to trust me. Because you've invested in that person all year. You know, one of the things I do is I keep a picture of our church on my phone. Because people talk to me about church all the time. What do you do? And, you know, I tell my leader church. And straight away, their, their, their mind goes to hell's bell smells. Okay, old stony church. I'm not offending anyone, am I? Old church. They've been to church. They don't want to go to church. And it doesn't feel like this. It's cold and they can't wait to get out. And so people don't want to come to church. And so then I show them a picture of this. And they're like, is that a church? I'm like, yeah, there's a church. But you don't wear a dog collar. Or people don't, people don't dress up. I say, you just dress what you want. Well, within reason. <laughs> and it blows their thoughts and their minds of what a church could look like. So it's probably about 10, 12 years ago, I had got past this embarrassment of inviting people to church. and decided to ramp up my boldness with my faith. And what I found is that when I take a risk and invite people to church and share my faith in Jesus... It actually grows my faith. Statistics say that 80% of all first-time church visitors come as a direct result of a personal invitation. You know, we've got, we've got absolutely nothing to lose. Nothing. People are going to a lost eternity. Is there a better alternative than to share Jesus with someone? And I think deep down, I think if I'm honest, deep, deep down, we all have... We all want to be bold and share our faith. But let's be honest, how many times has the opportunity to share our faith come up and we shut it down? Monday morning at work. You're in the office and someone shouts across, Oh, Julie or Steve, what, what did you do this weekend? 
And you knew full well what you did. You were in church. And this is your opportunity. This is your God. Well, I just had a really, really quiet one. Did you? But we've all done it. What are you reading at the moment? Someone asks you, what are you reading at the moment? You know you've been reading your Bible. Oh, just, yeah, just, just reading some stuff online. I'll be honest. There was a guy helping me the Monday after the wonder at my house. And he was doing some maintenance. And it was early in the morning. It was about 8, eight o'clock. And I had a proper church hangover that morning. Okay, It was, it was an amazing night, wasn't it? How good was that? Did you all enjoy the breaking ground? And I was, I was completely just churched out on that Monday morning. That's a church hangover. That's not a, anything else. Some of you like, yeah, changover we call it. <laughs> just bringing you into the new lingo. So I had a changover and this builder comes in and I was like, Mor- his name's Barry. I said, morning, Barry. Like, morning, John. I said, uh, you all right? He said, yeah. He goes, he, he's from he's from Spruceton, and uh, <laughs> if you haven't lived in Norwich long, that won't mean a thing to you. But Spruceton is just one of our local accents. One of them, we have a few. He says, "You you don't know what was happening on the Artsies last night, do you?" He said, "It was like being in the middle of Beirut." <laughs> and in that moment. That was the Holy Spirit saying, John, you need to share your faith with Brother Barry. I was like, no, I ain't got a clue. (laughs) And come on, you can laugh. I'm just being totally honest here because we've all had moments where people are inquiring what we did on the weekend or do we know or have you heard what's happening in that church and we shut it down. Often when I fly, I, I have the same the same thing you know when when you fly you sort of you know you you are up close and personal to someone aren't you you do the old armrest fight do you ever do that as soon as i get on the plane first thing i do is that <laughs> then both mine <laughs> how do you get you know anyway, i'm gonna get into that anyway but when you when you get on a plane if you sit so, next to someone they always ask you the same two questions the first question is where are you flying to i think it's always bizarre like it's going that way, that way, and that way, or we're all, you know, we all fly into the same place, aren't we? But the second question we get asked on a plane is, what do you do? And if I'm feeling really Christian, I say, I am, I lead a church. But then I'm opening myself up to the next four hours of why does God do bad, why do bad things happen to good people? And all those questions, and I have to sit there and talk. So normally I just say I'm a history teacher. And that normally shuts the conversation down straight away. <laughs> well, it is true. It is history. So I think we don't say something because we're ashamed of our faith. We, we, we say things because maybe we're tired or maybe we freeze in the moment. Maybe we just don't feel like we have the capacity to share our faith. And, or maybe, maybe we don't know exactly what to say. One of the tips that my dad shared with me and I'm going to share with you when it comes to sharing your faith is this. The first thing, and sometimes the only thing you need to do is share your story. Your story is one of the most powerful tools that you have in your armory. And the beauty is this, all of our stories are different. The fact that you're sitting here today is a good news story. You know, my story isn't actually 
It's not like Chantel's story. We're very different. I grew, grew up in Norfolk. I grew up in rural Norfolk in a Christian home, had a loving family, got brought up in church. But let me tell you, that is still, for some of you, you grew up in a loving home in a Christian family. That is an incredible story. The fact that God has protected you from so much stuff out there. Never be ashamed of the story of growing up in a Christian home. And for some of you, you're the person who came out of prison. You're the person who came out of abuse. You're the person who came out of that relationship. You're the person who was ready to take their life. But you need to share your story because you need to tell people that you were once here, but God saved you and God protected you and God helped you. Your story, your story is a powerful weapon. So your story is compelling. So when it comes to being compelling, we've got to remember a few things. First is this, the invitation has everything to gain and nothing to lose. Chantel and I, we decided when we launched Soul Church in 2014 that we would refuse to go after a church which, don't, which wouldn't go after the lost. Can I just ask you a question here? Who would agree that every person in their sphere of influence would live a vastly better life if they knew the love of Jesus? Come on, let's just have a show of hands that the people in your world would have a better life if they, if they knew Jesus. Because people are lost. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And I, I realize this as I've helped many people find Christ, is people don't realize they're lost until they find Jesus. Just give me another show of hands. It's a bit interactive today, but I quite like this catwalk deal. <laughs> just a, sh- a, a, sh- a show of hands. If, um, if you didn't realize you were lost until you found Christ. Isn't that incredible? It's not until you find him that you, you can't live without him. And I believe and I will always believe that Jesus is the hope of this world. And I grew up in a Christian home, but it wasn't until I was around 1920 that I really discovered faith for myself. And that's okay. I want to speak to the young people who have grown up in Christian environments and Christian homes. It's okay. It's okay that you question things, but one day you're going to have a true relationship, not on the back of your parents' relationship, but on your finding Jesus for yourself. And that for me happened when I was 20 years old, and I was in the city, and I, I felt God say to ask me to question myself, what was the one thing I was going to give my life for? What was the big one thing? And it was this, it was people who face a lost eternity. And so for Chantel and I, when we met at Bible school, we've decided to devote the entirety of our lives to help lost people find eternal life through Jesus. And honestly, if I never heard another sermon, another podcast, if I never read another book, it's okay, because my salvation is secure. But that is not the case for the majority of people that I, I work with in, in the city. And so this isn't about me anymore. I'm not just going to sit at the rapture bus stop waiting for God to come back. I'm actually going to do something about it. I'm actually going to see how many people that I can lead to Christ in my lifetime, how many people we can see come through the doors of this church. I believe that every person I know, their life would be better off if they knew the love of the Heavenly Father. When it comes to invitation, we need to never underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit. We looked at this verse a lot in the Not By Might series, but not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. When we, when we move and when we inv- invite someone, sometimes we think, well, what did that do? 
but never underestimate the invisible force in the conversation, which is the Holy Spirit. Do you know, I've been working on some people to come to church in faith for over four, five, six years, and nothing's happened. But I don't give up because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you step out, God steps in. God steps in. I want to encourage you, don't, you know, don't, you know the, one of the reasons we don't invite people to church, we don't invite people into faith, is we're so scared of them saying no. That's what we're scared of. We're so scared. But the reality is, when you invite them, you invite not just them in, but you invite the Holy Spirit in. You literally open the door for the Holy Spirit to get to work on that situation. The third thing when it comes to invitation is invitation is selfless. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. I need a set of keys. Has anyone got any keys? Sharon, I'll have your keys. What have you got there? There we go. I've just been given in this service a house and a BMW. This is a good day. I'll announce how much the house goes for at Heart for the House next week. We're a generous church. I knew we were. Matthew 16, 19 says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now listen to this. It doesn't say I will give you the key. It says the keys. Plural. What does that mean? When you came into faith, God did not give you a key to heaven. He gave you a set of keys. And here's what happens is we get saved and for the first six months we tell everyone, I've just come to church, I've found faith, and then we shut the shop down. And we put the keys in the cupboard. We put the keys in the drawer and we forget. We're like, I'm good now. But God didn't give you a key. He gave you a set of keys, which means one is for your neighbor, one is for your son, one is for your daughter, one is for your mom, one is for your dad. And God is saying, I've given you a set of keys to unlock in the kingdom of God in that person's life. The question is, what are you doing with your keys? These invites to the wonder... They look cool and they're great and they're glossy, but here's the thing, they could be the key to unlock something in someone's life. Someone might be on the brink of taking their life. Someone might be on the brink of leaving their husband or leaving a a job situation and they come into this atmosphere of hope and of love and of grace and of acceptance and suddenly they say, wow, maybe I can get through another year. Maybe I can go for that job. And suddenly the key which was on your key ring has come off and it is now in their hands and something begins to change and shift in their life. Aren't you glad that someone shared their key with you? Who's glad that someone had the courage, the boldness to share their key? Thank you, Sharon. I'll give you that back. Number three. The third thing about invitation is invitation will always inconvenience you. Master, it is done as you commanded and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways And the hedges and compel them to come in. Can't imagine going into a hedge, but that's old school. That my house may be filled. What did the master do? He inconvenienced the servants. You know when you invite someone, it inconveniences you. Because suddenly, you've got to look out for them in church. Maybe save them a seat, buy them a coffee. Maybe you've got to listen to their story. Maybe you've got to pray with them. And... 
In another survey, 90% of people in the UK, listen to this, 90% of people in the UK outside of funerals and weddings have never been invited to church. What? 90% of people in our city have never been invited to church. And this is the staggering fact. Out of that 90%, 60% said that they would come. 60% of people in your world would accept the invitation not to come to faith, the first step to come to church, if we had the courage and we were compelling enough and we've invested enough to invite them. So the issue is that they don't want, the issue isn't they don't want to come, the issue is are we prepared to invite them and are we prepared to be inconvenienced? I'm so glad that people were inconvenienced for me. My wife, Chantel, just stand up, Chantel, because some people who are here, this is Chantel, and she grew up in Los Angeles. She, she's an amazing, incredible human being. And many of you know her story of, of abuse and pain that she went through as a little girl. But when she was 12 years old, a couple called Ted and Lana in Los Angeles took her into their home and rescued her. And loved her, educated her, prayed for her, took her to church every Sunday, showed her a different way of what family could look like, still honoring her blood family. And when she was 19 years old, paid for her to go to Australia, to Bible school, which is where we, we met. I'm so glad that that couple who had their own children, three boys, they decided that they would be inconvenienced because they saw someone who needed hope. I'm asking us, this Christmas Soul Church, to be inconvenienced. I'm going to be pretty straight here. I'm going to invite you to invite someone to your Christmas table this year. Someone who has no family. Maybe they're living alone. Maybe they're even on the street. Chantelle and I are going to lead with this. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? Because we don't want to think like this because we want it safe. We want it. God is saying this is, this is a secure gospel, but it's not safe. There's nothing safe about the gospels. Jesus just, he loved people, the broken, the hurt, the destitute, the marginalized. He, he was constantly inviting them. I invite you to invite someone. Do you know if everyone cared for someone this Christmas in our church, everyone would be cared for. I'm going to invite you to be inconvenienced this Christmas around the wonder. The reality is the wonder is across two weekends. We could probably fill it across three weekends. But it's two weekends, which means, well, actually, unless, you, unless you're serving, you can actually only come once. I don't like saying that to our church because you guys have given, you've been amazing. But we need your seat this Christmas. We need your seat because there's people out there who have never been into this environment. We want you to come to the one and we want you to sign up and we want you to bring friends and loved ones. But if you come five times, it's going to mean that four other people are going to miss out. So we're going to ask you, would you be inconvenienced this Christmas? Would you have someone in your home? Would you share your table with them? Like the master, would you invite them to the wonder? Would you sit with them? Would you love them? 
question is, who will be sitting around our Christmas table this year? My dad always set the example, the family example. We always had strangers in our home. I know you've got to be careful. I'm not talking about being, 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 being silly here at all. I'm talking about people that you know are alone this Christmas and saying, would you come? I remember, honestly, one Christmas, we had the puppet man around our house. Puppet man. No, my dad just saw him and invited him in. He just loved people. Because he wanted to be inconvenienced because he realized that being inconvenienced for us was the best day of, the life, of his life for someone else. And here's what I've realized, number four, as we finish up, is that invitation has eternal impact. Eternal impact. You might be a great preacher. I might be a bad or a good preacher. That's up to you to decide. But the reality is not what I say on this stage that will help people. It's what I do off the stage because people remember what they see more than what they hear. 2,000 years later, this story of the master and the servants is still being told. It has an eternal impact because invitations have eternal impact. I want to finish with this, this spiritual timeline. Just follow me here for a moment. In 1860, a Sunday school teacher called Edward Kimball helped lead Dwight L. Moody to Christ. In 1873... Dwight L. Moody invited Wilbur Chapman to a crusade and he found Christ. In 1918, Wilbur Chapman invited Billy Sunday to a camp meeting where he found Jesus. 1935, Mordecai Ham was invited to a crusade by Billy Sunday. 1944, Billy Graham was invited to a tent meeting where Mordecai Ham was preaching. 1968, Gillian Norman was invited to a Brilly Graham event by her close friends Trevor and Sue and found Jesus. 1990, John Norman was invited to make a personal decision to follow Jesus with his parents. Since 1990, I've had the privilege of inviting and leading thousands of people through the salvation and the sinner's prayer, including many of you in this room. It started because of a Sunday school teacher called Edward Kimball in 1860, 160-odd years ago, made a decision to invite someone to the love of Jesus. Wow. And you think your invitation to the wonder is just, I'll come and see a Christmas show. You have no idea what could be happening in that person's life. You have no idea when you invite someone around your table for Christmas, what it might do. Could it just be, it starts as a catalyst. There's a spiritual chain reaction which starts in someone's life. And who knows the eternal impact of that one decision. All of us have a spiritual tree. It's interesting to go and do some research. I wish I could go before 1860, but I couldn't get back any further. But we all have a spiritual family tree. And I'm so grateful for Edward Kimball, Dwight Moody, Wilbur Chapman, Billy Sunday, Mordecai Ham, Billy Graham, Trevor and Sue, my mum. I'm so grateful that people kept inviting people. And to the day I die, I will continue to invite people into the love, safe arms of Jesus Christ, where they will find hope and discover salvation. 
Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Psalm 145, 4 says, One generation commends your works to another, and they tell of your mighty works. So I want us to be really brave here. I want us to be bold. We talked about invitation. It's preceded by investment. The invitation needs to be compelling. The invitation will inconvenience you, but the invitation will have eternal impact. And we can never underestimate the power of an invitation. Every empty chair beside you, around you, needs to be filled. The master is compelling us to fill it. Paul put it like this. He said, pray that every time I open my mouth, I'll be able to make Christ as plain as day. Don't miss a trick. Make the most of every opportunity. If you're saying, and I, I've got to humble myself to say I've tired of taking my foot off the gas over the last three months with the new building and so much focus that I've kind of with speaking, my sharing my faith with people, I just haven't done it as much as I should. And it was really, I kind of laughed about the Barry moment, but the Barry moment was actually a wake-up call for me because normally I would nosedive into that conversation, but I diverted it. And I want us just to be really honest here and say, I want to get bold again in sharing my faith. I want to be, I want to be open about, I don't want to just shut conversations down. I want to be brave and say, hey, I'm a Christian. We can still be friends. We might not all believe the same thing. We can still be friends. You don't have to cancel me. Just love each other. Just love, we just love people. But you're saying today, I want to get bold in my faith again. I, I want that power of the invitation just as it's had an eternal impact on my life. I want it to have an impact on someone else and I want to pay it forward, show kindness, show love, grace, mercy. But if you're saying, I, 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 I want to get, get hold of this again in my life, would you just slip up your hand? Just slip up your hand nice and I want to pray. Come on, let's, let's be open to this. We're going to make the most of every opportunity. Father, we thank you that the good news is too good to keep to ourselves. We thank you that you're with us and you've done so much for us. How can we keep this to ourselves? So Lord, I pray for every person right now. I pray for a new tenacity for their faith, an audacious faith, Father, a new faith, God, that they would share it, Father, when these opportunities come. When people ask what we've been doing on the weekend, when people ask about what's happening at Christmas, we would, Father, we would have the courage to open our hearts and share what God has done. And I pray this Christmas that every chair would be filled. Lord, I pray that we'd have the courage to invite our neighbours and our loved ones. And Father, even though we will be inconvenienced, even though it, it might not be comfortable, Father, we'd even have people around our homes. We, we'd love people, take people out for meals, Father. But we would spread the love of Jesus in our church and in our city. Uh, this Christmas, we thank you, Father God, for God so loved the world that He gave. We thank you, you set the example that you are a giver. And as you have given to us, we're able to give back to others in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing this out together. Amen. I thought that was a fantastic message. So why don't we thank our senior pastor delivering his heart to us. Those of you in this room, you're not here by accident. Those of you listening or watching online, it's not an accident. This message about the power of an invitation. You see, Jesus is here. 
He sees every single one of you and He's offering an invitation to you. He's saying, come unto me, follow me. Maybe you know and can sense His presence in this room or in your car or wherever you're watching. You're saying, how do I get right with God? How do I connect with Him? It's really simple but powerful. Here's what you do. You pray a prayer. You open your heart and here's what He does. He will come in. He'll come in. And what He'll do is He'll forgive you of your past. No matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, He will cleanse you from your sin and He'll give you a brand new start for your today. And then an incredible future and eternal hope for your tomorrow. See, what have I got to do? All you've got to do is believe that Jesus came to this earth. He died on a cross and He rose again. That's why He's here in this moment. And I would love to extend the invitation to you to pray that prayer. It'll be the greatest decision you will ever make. You guys over in this section and at the back there, you guys here in this section, you guys over here, and everyone watching or listening online, this moment is for you. So here's what we're going to do. Just a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Our whole church is praying for you in this moment. And I'm going to count to three. And if you're in this room, when I count to three, I'm simply going to ask you just to raise your hand high enough and long enough so I can see it, so we know who we're praying for. And then you can pop it back down. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you forward, but we would love to pray for you. So why don't we right now just bow our heads. Our church is praying. If you're watching online, we're praying for you as well. So when I count to three, if you know deep down, you've got to take this first step and simply raise your hand. It's the start of a life-changing journey. So are you ready? All across this room and online. Are you ready? One, two, three. That's it. Lift up your hand. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you back there. It's beautiful. Thank you over there. That's right. Just raise your hand online as well. You click that button. Click that link. I love it. We're clapping because we're so excited for you. And we're all going to pray a prayer together. Why don't you repeat this prayer after me? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sins and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and live for you. Amen, amen. Now first let me pray for everyone who prayed that prayer. Jesus, you saw every hand, you touched every heart. And I pray for every person that made that prayer. Holy Spirit, would you just come right in and touch them and help them to take the next step and the next step into the great future you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, why don't we put our hands together? Why don't we congratulate everyone who made that decision? It's awesome. 
And I saw hands all around, but maybe you didn't have the courage to raise your hand, but you prayed from your heart. You know, God sees your heart as well. This is a start of something new. You guys online as well. We'd love to give you a gift. It's a Bible. If someone, one of the teams saw your heart, they'll come and give it to you. Or if you click that link online, there's an electronic version. But there's a couple of things we'd love you to do, all right? This is going to help you. Number one, read a bit of this Bible every day. It really is going to help you. Number two, keep coming back to church. Keep tuning in online. That's probably the most important thing right now. And thirdly, if you give us your details, as you take all of these future steps, we can encourage you and cheer you on. So please let us know your details so we can walk with you on this journey. Come on, why don't we one more time? Why don't we congratulate everyone who made that decision? Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.